Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF Advice Show. We're just going to chat for a second or two here while we wait for live viewers to pop in. We're also going to put this out on the feed, on the uh, auditor feed. we got of been getting a bunch of new auditors here lately. That's, That's because they heard about this show. That's it. That's what it was. <laughs> we were supposed to be here a couple, was it last week? And uh, something happened. I got sick. That's what happened. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Lyme disease kicked up, and by this time of night, when I have Lyme disease, forget it. I'm done. Word salad. Word salad. Helena's heard word salad many times. It's funny because I, when I lived in near you, is when I was the worst. Because you lived in the mold house. Yeah, oh, that's true. That was part of it. You were farming mold in your backyard, <laughs> in your basement, in your bathroom, in your they kitchen. Ended up tearing that house down after we left too, because of the mold. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's scary. Yeah, and that's they, in- the owners moved to Tryon. Down in North Carolina. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fox hunting family. That was an awful house. Yeah. In every way, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mold did not help. And I was there 24 hours a day, so that didn't help either. No. Yeah, that wasn't much fun. So who do we have? Let's see. Put Post in the comments your name and where you're from, because sometimes we don't always see. We just see Facebook users. So post in the comments. We can't comment back anymore, guys, because apparently we're not allowed to comment back to a Facebook group anymore. Oh. So, uh, so that, but we can, we can we address can the comments. Yeah, yeah we, we can, can address them. But okay. So if you're seeing this and, and comment, let us know you're here. We'd appreciate it. We have a lot of questions tonight, so... We're going to get to those. There's Jane. Somebody's got a lot of noise in the background there. Sorry, that's the dogs. They, they see a squirrel. Um, oh, no. we, make sure, we make sure we patrol the area for squirrels. So that's part of their job. Jessica, is that you from Orlando? Hey, Danielle. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Danielle lives right where we where we used to live. Hi, Danielle. Mackenzie. Chattanooga. Jane. Chatt- I like Chattanooga. We st- we've stopped there all the time when we're on our way to Lexington because it's kind of a good stopping spot. Well, you guys have been to Tennessee a couple of times, and um, I now I want to go, but I can't go because COVID. I know. We could meet. You've been really good, and we've been really good. We could just get a cabin together in the mountains. Do you know, my mom did that. She and like two other people or four other people, they self-quarantined for 14 days, and then they met on a boat. So somebody said, my first time catching this live, driving home from the barn. I don't know who that is because it just says Facebook user. I have to tell us your name. So we have to go through the usual disclaimers on this show. Uh, if you missed the first episode, this is us dealing with people's issues in a very... Well, Nikki will be professional. I'm not sure. <laughs> Nick will be, Nikki will be as professional as we let her be. Yeah. Yes. That's the first time. <laughs> the first... Disclaimer, uh, Helene is going to give uh, to you right now. uh, Can you please read that? I I can. I can try. So let me just, let's start with the fact that this is an adult show. It's not safe for small ears or for work. After all, it's called the what the fuck advice (laughs) show. (laughs) Still, How did we even get that? Um, Everything that we say, we the host say on the show is for entertainment only. Please do not think we are giving actual advice to anyone about anything. For that, seek someone more professional than us. And honestly, that won't be difficult. Finally, any complaints, go to jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. 
Now, Nikki, you actually have credentials. Remind everybody what they are. I do have credentials. Somebody actually gave me a license, a couple licensures. I have a licensed social worker. I'm a licensed drug and alcohol counselor, and I'm a certified certified clinical supervisor and a certified trauma professional. So they just keep giving me these. I guess they're desperate. I don't know. (laughs) I have one more to go. One more letter to go, and I'll be complete. So... Yeah, as somebody just said, do we have to put our name in every time? Yeah, there's some re- there's some way to give permission to uh, StreamYard that we see your name. If you don't do that, then we just don't know who's talking. So, um, yes, would be the answer to that. So we got hello Nevada from team. Nevada. So like Carol, we see her name. Jane, we see her permission. name. Yeah, but a couple okay. of the others we don't. That's kind of weird. They do that, I would think, you know. So we got a lot of questions here. I'm not sure we're going to get through all of them. Uh, this also will go out on the Auditor podcast feed. So if you miss any part of it tonight or come in late or whatever, you can just catch it there. If you don't know how to get to the Auditor podcast feed, just go to the Auditor room on, on a desktop and go to the announcements section on the left and scroll, 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 scroll until you see how there's instructions in there how to do it. Uh, let me see who's... I should have turned my phone off. That wasn't very good, was it? Um, all right. So let's do this. Nikki, you're first up. I'm first up. Okay. Let me pull up. This is from, I believe, Anonymous. Yes. Rosie Jackery. How do you deal with a generation of parents who think constant criticism and complaining is a form of just trying to push you to be better and hence a form of love? So do you want me to answer this one or do you want, is it? Sure. Take it away. (laughs) (laughs) So I think a lot of it is generational, right? Like we have a lot of our parents who said like, well, my parents gave us tough love and therefore I'm giving you tough love. It's called authoritative parenting. And I think many generations did this and it does come from a place of love usually. Um, However, it doesn't feel like we're being loved when people are like, you know, putting us down or saying, why do you do this? And why do you do that? I think because it comes from a place of love, we really have to address our parents and say, Hey, I know that you want better for us. I know that you want me to do well. I know that you look out for my best interests. But when you relay that the way you do, it's hurtful. Um, it doesn't push you to do better. In fact, studies show that, you know, authoritative parenting doesn't help um, children. It actually lowers your self-esteem. It actually makes them, you know, less likely to achieve. So, you know, it's actually kind of the flip side, you know, more giving more positive feedback. Um, and hoping that does come from a place of love. I hope it's not like an abusive push, but I know a lot of parents, I come from a very Italian Sicilian father who was a lot like that, like very much like do better. Like, you know, like it always raised the bar. Well, you and didn't have I, enough certificates. You need more. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, well, for instance, a funny story. When I was a young child, I wanted to be an archeologist and I love history. I'm still a history geek. Um, and I wanted to be like Indiana Jones. So I'm like, dad, I'm going to go for archaeology for uh, college. He goes, well, no daughter of mine's digging in the goddamn dirt. So, okay. <laughs> so when like things like happen that happened to me this week, or like when a client broke my ankle or I call him up and I say, dad, guess what happened this week? I got my ankle broken by a client, but I'm not digging in the goddamn dirt. So aren't you happy? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that ties into our next question. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's, I think that, you know, in his heart, he was like, I don't want you to be poor. I don't want you to like, you know, do something where you're going to be able to forge your horses. Um, But the way it came across. So I like to always throw that back in his face a little bit to be like, you know, here's what I get to do for a living now. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Should have gone with the archaeology. But yeah, I think a lot of of times, sorry about that. A lot of times it comes from a very good place, but really communicating with your family on how it doesn't feel like it's coming from a good place. Helena, anything to add to that? I think being able to talk to your parents and talk to your family is probably the biggest hump that we need to get over. Um, and I, I couldn't agree with Nikki more, you know, me being a parent and that sometimes you feel that authoritativeness come over you when you've tried six ways to Sunday to get your kid to do something to motivate them. Um, but knowing what does motivate you to do better, knowing that much about yourself and then being able to say to your parents, I know you love me and I know you're trying to help me, but this is what motivates me. A hug is what motivates me or uh, quiet support, whatever, whatever you want from them, whatever you need from them, you, you have to tell them this is, this is what motivates me and this is what I need from you. Now, they may poo-poo it, but honestly, I think when somebody's listening to you, especially someone who loves you, they may uh, poo-poo it at first, but it goes in. And I think you'd be surprised weeks and months later when you need to lean on them again or the issue comes up again, you'd be surprised to hear them or to see them actually follow through with what you asked for. I don't have much to add to this because I came from a family of four boys and my parents were just glad we weren't in jail. So they were (laughs) (laughs) whatever we did was fine. (laughs) All right. The next one. Uh, This is from Anonymous 2. How do you deal with passive aggressive people? Come back to Nikki there for a second. Uh, it's one personality type I just struggle with. I think everybody struggles with that. I mean, that's not unique, is it? Right? I no, just I Googled this yeah. like two days ago for yeah. myself. <laughs> Are you? How do you not smack somebody in the head? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I just Googled this. What'd you find out? What What did Google tell you? Uh, smack him in the head. <laughs> to take the higher road. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Who wants to do I was going to say smack him. I mean, that would have been my clinical opinion. <laughs> well, uh, Google said, Dr. Google yeah. said that um, well, a couple of things. Number one was don't let them get away with it. Like, yeah. Hold them accountable because if you mm-hmm. don't call them out on it, it'll perpetuate the behavior. They'll just keep doing it. And, yeah, and but aren't passive aggressive people just passive aggressive, period? They're afraid. They're afraid. They're weak and they fear conflict, right, Nikki? Well, it's their way yeah. of, of of maintaining control, control in some way, right? And for once, Dr. Google's right. And it's really calling them out on like what they say and really bringing it back to being like, well, I don't appreciate how you deliver. Really being like standing your ground. I think sometimes too, people learn how to communicate like that from other people and don't realize how they come across. Um, so it's not like yeah, 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 yeah. It's not intentional. And then once you call them out, they're like, "Well, I didn't mean it to sound like that." It's like, but it did sound like that. So um, sometimes, and once you do call it out, it usually doesn't happen again, or they'll they won't talk to you. They'll just shut down because they don't want to. They want to deal with being called out, or they'll change. I mean, a lot of people say, "You know, I'm really sorry. I'm just so used to communicating like this. I'm so used to being like this." Um, but when you really call attention to it, it's either one of three things will happen. 
I think 75% of the uh, Facebook posts I see now nowadays are passive aggressive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, especially nowadays. Now with everything going on, it's uh, it's horrible. I'm like, just call it out. Let's get let's get it over with. <laughs> I have been. I've been. I've been unfollow, 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 unfollow. Yes. That's my passive aggressiveness. <laughs> Social media is a, a huge uh, tool for passive aggressive people. And it's like, I'm going to like this to show you mm-hmm. my support. Or I'm going to ignore it and you'll know exactly, you know, oh, I like everybody else's stuff, but I, I don't like yours, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's those kinds of things that are happening and I'm a little bit of a freak. I instantly notice behavior uh, patterns in people's behavior, both in real life and on social media. So, um, and I do, I run reports for my clients. So I see what happens with what posts and what kind of content gets, likes and shares and engagement. But what I notice in my personal feed, knowing people's relationships in real life, like behind the scenes and seeing what they do on social media, you guys, you might not realize it, but the the jig is up because your passive aggressiveness is showing up in your patterns of behavior. I think most passive aggressive people don't care. They want to be. You think so? I think a lot of them do. I think that's coming out now too. They're happy being passive aggressive. That's what makes them happy is, is yeah. that passive aggressiveness. And I don't, it's like the whole mask or not mask thing, whatever side you're on, uh, you're not given, you know, and by the way, do people still think they can convince anybody on Facebook of anything anymore? <laughs> people have their opinion. I don't know that you're yeah. ever anybody's mind. It's just uh, a big vent. Can yeah. I think it's a way to vent. You're right. I mean, I even for is. me, I, yeah, I can you, go there and I can You vent mad. too. Yeah, I know. That's like all I do now. I haven't unfollowed you yet, though. So I try to be diplomatic. You know, you I'm do. definitely you not passive aggressive. I know you so sure. well that I read between the lines and I know what you really wanted to say. And it's you fucking asshole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's part of my inner work. That you know, inner work is saying, All right, Helena, you you feel angry and you want to say something else, but Let's simmer down and figure out a nice. Fifteen years ago, it was you fucking asshole. (laughs) I know. I've grown. You have. I always hear my. I always hear my head like, "Let's get ready to rumble." I'm like, "Like here we go." (laughs) I will take you out. You know. Oh yeah. Wait, are we still on the passive aggressive question? I I have no idea anymore. Yeah. Let's get the next one, Helena. You're up. You're up next. I'm up next. Okay. Hold on. I got all kinds of windows open. I'm trying to keep track. Okay, here we go. Um, hold on. Got to spread the window here. What do you say to a young adult who really wants to work with horses, but not, but might not have the skills to be, say, a pro trainer or an instructor? Um, can I answer this one? Can I start? So when I first took Grace to Pony Club um, a couple of years ago, she was pretty young. Um, I didn't know much about Pony Club. Uh, in terms of being a parent of a child and the kids in grace's group were so great but they were so different and each kid was there for a different reason and there was one girl who she was riding but she took a spill on a pony and she didn't want to get back on but she didn't want to give up pony club so for every rally that they had she would ask to be the stable manager and she's like i don't i don't actually need to ride and so she got a lot of joy in participating in the activities, but as the manager, you know, she just did all the HA stuff. 
And she was just so happy. And I thought, you know, I guess you don't really need to get on their back in order to be really good at horses. There's something, there's something for everybody, even if you're not talented at getting over fences or uh, clicker training or, or breeding. And I think, you know, part of this, too, uh, she says uh, might not quite have the skills to be a pro trainer or instructor. And you don't, not everybody, very few go to be pro trainers and instructors, very few. But working student is a perfect way to do that. Get into work. You're going to learn. And, or it's going to break you. Or, or you're going to be out. Right. Yeah. They're going to kick you out. One yeah. or the other. It's going to happen. And But I think a lot of, you know, it depends how old this person is, too. <laughs> it says young adult, so I'm assuming teen, young teenager. Or maybe not. I don't know. But I, I just think working student, you know, you're going to go in a situation like Jennifer, poor Jennifer did with that woman oh. whose name will, who Alina heard all about. Can I say it? Yeah. Well, um, let's not. Uh, but it was, um, it was trying. She worked there for four summers. And this woman, talk about fuck. Every other word was fuck. And would berate you and just tear you to bits every hour of every day. There was no break. Yet Jennifer kept going back. And I think it just made her tougher is what it did. It made her more resilient. She she learned a lot. She did learn a lot. Uh, I couldn't have done it for 10 minutes. I would have smacked her. <laughs> I couldn't have done it. I would have just walked out. You couldn't yeah. have done it either. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have, I, it takes a person like Jennifer to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Jennifer has a way of digesting all of that toxicity and uh, turning it into something. Well, that look, she she's been married actually... to me for 32 years. <laughs> like I said, Jennifer has a way. <laughs> Dealing with that. Nikki, you have anything to add to that one? Sure. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to tell a young person that, you know, here's your dreams. You can't live them. Um, I think it's, you know, I working students is actually a great answer. I was a working student. It really put things in perspective as no, I'm not having a horse on my, on my own, me on my property because I didn't have a horse of my own growing up. So I rode, did whatever I could, cleaned whatever I could to ride. And it really showed me like what the lifestyle would be like. And that's <laughs> the lifestyle, every time I talk, <laughs> sorry, the lifestyle I really wanted. Also, I would say, I think it's pretty cool that the barn or the camp that Grace goes to is inclusive because I think a lot of times as the equestrians, we focus on jumping or just dressage or just this and not the grooming. I mean, how many kids do we know nowadays that don't groom their own horse? Um, we go to shows that they don't know the art of grooming and how cool that is, you know, to be a part of a groom. Um, I like that, the art of grooming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's an art. I've seen some braids. I've seen some shiny horses, and I have a gray horse, so I know that, like, it takes a lot to get, get it gray, and I know there's people who do a lot better job than I do. Um, but the clicker training, like you said, liberty training, or, you know, at Liberty, whatever, I don't know what they call it anymore. Like, you know, going to Monty Roberts and learning, like Jamie did, how different ways of just being on the ground and training. I think there's so many outlets that she could probably even be, be better at and just have to explore. And I think we need to open our minds and be more, you know, inclusive and let people learn different stuff and just jump in or just dressage or just western or just, you know, and stay at that. And there are other things, we've talked about this a hundred times, so we don't need to go into it. There are other things you can do in the horse world that's not a pro trainer instructor. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a, look at us. I mean, we're all kind of working in the, you know, two of us are working in the horse world and we're not trainers and instructors. So there are other things you can do too. But uh, all right, let's move on. I threw this one, Nikki, you can read this one. I threw this in here. Sure. This one's I, a good one. It gave me a little bit of thought. So right, I anonymous. Need advice. There's a rider that comes off into our horse campgrounds. She's outright abusive to her horse. 
I'm not one to usually speak up, but I witnessed her strike her horse in the face three times over the course of two days. It happened before. I said something because someone needed to help the poor horse. I did talk to the board of directors at our campground, and I'm hoping they will do something. Others have commented on it in the past, but aren't willing to speak up. What would you do? Um, I think the first step you did was great is going to like either the barn management, going to the campground, going to the show officials. Um, one of the things I would say is go to the person and ask, why did you just hit your horse? I think a lot of us have had very poor trainers and a lot of us have very, very poor teachers that's growing up in the horse world um, that hitting a horse was acceptable. Horse bites you, you hit it in the face. I know a lot of listeners, I'm sure, have had that. I had that growing up and I had to learn differently that that's not what you do. Um, you know, and really, if, why why are you hitting your horse? Um, I think calling it out and saying, well, there's a better way. You know, if it's biting you, there's a better way is, you know, maybe tapping its leg when, you know, to get its attention. Don't feed it treats in hand. Maybe it's something, it's treat aggressive. And if you have to like do that, I'm going to have to report you to somebody because this is upsetting to me. Um, I think trying to just take a stand for the horses, like horses and children that don't have a voice, you know, and we, we all have to be advocates for um, our equine or dogs or cats and, you know, our children. I think Jamie'd be over there with a whip. As That's well. it. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be for the horse. Yeah. Yeah. Five years ago, I would have had and did have uh, one response. Today, I have another one. I, I have, in fact, I saw a girl getting on at my barn. Um, she's trying to mount a horse. He's an old school horse who just never puts a foot wrong. He's a little bit girthy, but, and you know, sometimes they're not going to walk right up to the mounting block and say, Oh, let's do this again. Well, he wasn't doing exactly what she wanted. So she kicked him in the ribs with her foot hard. And I was in the car across the parking lot and I was waiting for grace. I got out of the car. I stood up on the like running boards and I whistled over the top, over the roof of my car, really loud. And I said, never again. Don't ever, ever do that again. And I went up to the trainer and I said, listen, you've got a student. She's a college student on the, the IHSA team. Wow. I said, oh, you've yeah, got I, was, a I thought you were going to say she was 12, you know. No. No. It would be a different story. So I said, you've got a, a student out there. You've got a, a team member who doesn't know that she shouldn't take her frustration out on the horse. So you need to have a talk with her. She knows that someone's watching. She knows I saw and that it was a, a bad, very bad thing. So, uh, you know, that instinct to say, is it's time for me to step in right now, right here, right now. It's a teachable moment. It's safe. Um, you know, you don't always want to step in if you don't know the entire context, because you can speak up and say something to somebody and they can turn that anger towards you. So speaking up requires you to be aware of your surroundings and the person that you're talking to. Um, today, I think no matter what the circumstance, I would probably, and I think this is really important for listeners too and viewers that um, have a script ready. Know what you want to say to somebody like this so that when it happens, your emotions don't override that calm, sensible script that you have, which is maybe, you know, if, if you're willing, I've read this somewhere, if you're willing to let me show you a better way, mm -hmm. you don't need to hit your horse. So it's, what I say is like, 
reach for empathy first. Try to remember a time in that moment when you were so frustrated and so angry that you just wanted to kick somebody. And then empathize with that person because if you come at them with anger, it's just going to escalate. You can't meet anger with anger or violence with violence. But if you try to reach for some sort of understanding in what this person is doing and why they're acting out against their horse, you have a better chance of changing the dynamic, of, of stopping them from hitting their horse again. Boy, I remember back before they used to card in the yellow and red cards in eventing. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were really more lax about it. God, I remember a few shows I went to, and I was just new with Jennifer at the time, new to the horse thing, where I just saw these, and it was probably high teens, young 20s, just beat their horse around the cross-country course. And, you know, neither one of them should have been doing the level they were doing in the first place, which is usually the case, right? That's why they made all those rules for people couldn't advance, you know, as fast as they were. Uh, but you just see them beat their horse all the way around. And it was just sickening to watch. And I didn't know much about horses and I was sick, you know, watching it. But boy, we've all run across those situations. And it's. And it happens at every level. I was at a USDF show last year and we watched, you know, this horse, she's kicking in this, that. And finally, like, I mean, we all got up, we jumped out of the box, the judge and I. And again, you know, I probably had a better script in my head about what we're going to say. The judge kind of ran out and said, like, you stop it, knock it off. But it's so, it was so disturbing to see because you're like, you, you always expect it at the higher levels to be professionals, like to be, you know, polished. But then you're like, what happens at home? If she's willing to do this out in front of everybody, yeah. what happens to this horse at home? Yeah. I, there's mm -hmm. something, I think, you know, think of these people um, when they first, as young kids, when they first got on a horse or a pony, um, how many of these people actually felt okay hitting their horses, like mm -hmm. even smacking them with a crop, you know? Yeah. I mean, to this day, I can't even, I can't even use a dressage whip <laughs> to tickle my horse in the butt, but you have to wonder what they learned to overcome that compassionate instinct to say, I don't want to hit my horse. I don't want to hurt my pony, but they're their instructor is saying, you have to, you have to be the boss. You have to, you know, inflict pain in order to be safe and in order to be competitive. And so they believe this and, and then they become it. They don't just believe it. Like mm -hmm. then they live it. And how do you undo that? How do you change someone's deep belief system? So you can't hit horses anymore. Mm -hmm. That's Run Monty's life. That's what he spent right yeah. the last eight, 80 years trying to overcome is that right there. Yeah. You know? Well, I think, I think it goes back to the first question we had, you know, the intergenerational of the tough love, right? So how many of us grew up with this tough love from even trainers? Like how I remember, you know, I'm sure you guys experienced the same thing. You know, you fell on the ground, get up. There was no like, you know, you just tough it up, you tough it out. You ride the horse, you don't complain. And I think, I think I'm hoping that I've seen a lot more change in, in my, in the different sports. And I'm hoping, you know, I think this radio does a lot to promote change and to promote kindness and compassion and empathy for animals, because that was the way it was done. You know, you get on, you, you know, I don't care if your arm's broken, go to the hospital. I mean, I think it was George Morris. Are you dead? Go to the hospital. Right. right. Um, you know, if you hitting your horse, whipping your horse, that was acceptable. Um, and it's sad to think that like, that was our, 
mindset not that long ago and still is for some people. So. Well, and I think, you know, I think Monty, you always said, they don't know any different. That's the way they were taught. Right. You just have to teach them that there's a different way uh, right. that doesn't involve the violence. So, and you know, usually abused kids are end up being a, a lot of times they end up being abusers, right? You know that Absolutely. because that's what they know. They don't know mm-hmm. there's a different way. So it's an education uh, process. And, you know, thankfully there's, there's people like Jamie and, and other students of Monty's who are going to continue that. And hopefully it builds and, and us, you know, and us, you're right. You know, there, us here talking about it to tens of thousands of people too, you know. There's a book that Horse and Rider Books, Trafalgar Square Books publishes. It's called The Compassionate Equestrian. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's made the yeah. rounds through here. Uh, it's a great book to have. And if you can pick it up somewhere and bring it to the group at your campground or into your barn, just leaving it leave it laying around the tack room. There's subtle ways to um, educate people who might not be willing, you know, just leave it out there and hope that they'll pick it up and, and talk about it here and there. Once you start preaching, people shut down. They don't want to hear you. But if you make this kind of information, compassionate information, just there available at their fingertips, you can hope that they would look into it. It's a good and book, Jane, you are correct. Uh, uh, the exception is the scene from Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> the worst uh, great movie. Mel Brooks is amazing. <laughs> I just saw that. I was flipping around TV the other day and it was on. It was, And that's one of those movies that you have to stop. <laughs> I don't care if it's for a half an hour. Whatever point it's at, you stop and watch the stupid thing. And Especially right. the, the campfire scene is the best. <laughs> just, yeah. God. God, I remember seeing that when it first came out. And you're right. It, it's it's one of those movies that kind of held up. But in it, Danielle said it's a totally different movie watching as an adult. It is, but it kind of is still okay. I mean, it just, it's so <laughs> stupid. All right. We'll skip the next one, Helena, that really long one. Let's skip that one. Okay. Um, and go to this one. How do you deal with people wanting to see you for your, oh, this was from a guy. And I'm not allowed Ooh. to say who, but it's a single guy. I love this one. You're going to see really? why I put it in. Well, yeah. then. You're going to see why I put it in. How do you deal with people wanting to see you for your horses and not you? As an example, I met a former porn star, and after talking as friends for a bit, she was wanting to come over, and once she came over, she went straight to the horses. She was not the first person who wanted to see me for my horses. He must have really nice horses. <laughs> Tell me he has Frisians because then that would be like, the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a porn star coming over. That's one thing. <laughs> I know you were well, hoping for something else, but <laughs> I mean, I tell, I used to tell my brothers, I used to be like, listen, if you get into horses, it's a 30 to one ratio that you're going to have a date. Like any way you look at it, like, you know, you just walk around with a horse and girls are going to flock to you. Like, this is a great combo. Like, I don't understand why you're not involved with horses. You would never not have a date in the rest of your life. So it's hard. You see a man on a horse and I know I'm a sucker. I'm like, well, I'll give him, you know, we'll get pretty gorgeous than a man on a horse. But that's a hard one. I don't know if I can answer that one. How did you know she was a porn star? That's the other <laughs> That's a bigger question. <laughs> like, how did they meet? Was it? <laughs> yeah. Did, 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 do, when, they, when, when you ask a porn star, you know, you're just having casual conversation there at the barn and you say, what do you do for a living? Do they just say porn star or do they make up something else? Like strippers used to say they were strippers used to say they were secretaries. 
that was a thing. The stripper would always say they were secretary. Well, then it became exotic dancers. Yeah. Right. Or, dancer, or entertainer. I'm an entertainer. I'm an right. entertainer. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Do porn stars just say, well, I'm a porn star? I don't know. Can we get a porn star on here and find out? No, it's like, it's, there's like a professional name for it now, like adult. Adult uh, entertainment. Actress, yeah. Entertainment. Yeah. Professional. Yeah. That's thing, a guest but... we have never had on Horses in the Morning is a porn star horse. Well, isn't, what was the girl who yeah. uh, got I've... hot with Trump? Um, and who um it might be who he's talking about i don't know yeah who uh, had the, what is her name she's an inventor yes oh, I can't think her name. she's an inventor yes she's yes, an yes. Inventor, she's in pennsylvania that, uh somebody knows her name type it in here we want to yeah, know yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. blonde oh yeah, my god I can picture her Let, i want to say not oh this is going to bother me. I can picture it, too. I can, too. Oh, well, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't have much else. Other than I just got stuck in the porn star coming to your barn um, and your tongue hanging out the entire time. That's all I pictured. I mean, well, you know what? You. The horses are there. Stormy, Stormy Daniels. Your job Stormy to Stormy Daniels. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Stormy Daniels. Thank Stormy, you. Stormy Daniels. So, yeah, it's it's the horse's job to bring them in. It's your yeah. job to close the sale. Oh, there you go. There you go, yeah. Helena. That's a good answer. Yeah. That's yeah. a good answer. And if she likes horses, well, then you know you're you've got something in common. You're fifty percent. I don't there. see why he's complaining. I really don't. I think it's a win-win. <laughs> exactly. I mean, she's a porn star who likes horses. I'm gonna ask. I won't put the men in the next um, horse husband episode. Put that on your survey for next survey. <laughs> I asked the men, like, would you complain if a porn star liked you just for your horse? <laughs> 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 All right, Nikki, you have the next one. All right, let's see. Let me switch my screen. Um, I have an opportunity coming up to purchase my dream facility. It needs a lot of work to get it back to being profitable, but the potential is real. How do I prioritize my improvements since I will not be able to address them all immediately? The roof has minor leaks. The biggest pasture needs some repairs to fencing. The lean is going to is going to be needing some attention soon. The arenas are all neat footing. Basically, if you can imagine it, it needs attention, even if it's unusable, even if it's usable. But it's currently making a small margin with the clients now. We have our ideas on where to start, but outside opinions are always welcomed. Well, Alina, this is your show. You got you got yeah. to do this one. Yes, yes. And Buck and I talk about these things all the time. So the first thing to do is actually make a written list, if you haven't already, of the things that need to be done. First and foremost are those items that will risk your horse's safety or your customer's safety. There's no way around that. You've got to address them. If you've got 20 of them, you got to triage and say, which are the most dangerous not which are the most affordable to do. You have to go for those that are going to be the highest or greatest risk. So safety is number one. The second thing is to focus on the area that you can make money first. So what profit center is going to um, improve your margins first? That could be lessons, that could be training. It's almost never bored, um, but it's usually services. So um, you know, can you get away with less than ideal footing, even crappy footing? You can for a while, but, um, you can't get away with one person doing everything and teaching. So if you need to hire an instructor, then you do that. So you just need to get the cash flow going. So that would be the second priority safety first, um, find a profit center. And that would be second on the list. And then as you go down the list and priority, it's, what is going to, um, what's going to make your operation more efficient? What's going to save you money? 
So if investing, let's say you have a really dusty uh, footing in your indoor arena and you're just wasting time, you're spending a lot of time watering it, grooming it, what have you, um, invest in sprinklers, you know, something that's going to save you time so that you can take um, your time, your energy and work on something that's going to make more money. So my answer was much quicker. Mary Rich. That was only that was my <laughs> safety first. We're gonna get to that in a second. Safety Mary first. Star. Yeah. Profit yeah. second. <laughs> efficiency third. If that makes sense. Now, Mary someone porn stars rich. make a lot of money. Do you think? Okay, he's money? on the porn side. Thing. <laughs> she brought it up. It. <laughs> if they're good no. at it, they make tons of money. <laughs> porn stars are always ugly and sweaty. I don't understand the attraction. <laughs> I don't. I tried. That was a I good. Couldn't. That was a good answer, though. And you know, the first farm Jennifer and I had, we, actually, it was her parents' farm, and we were living there. And it was, I mean, the house didn't have heat. There, there was an old coal furnace that leaked like a sieve, and probably almost asphyxiated us a few times. There was no thermostats, uh, and the house was falling down. We had bees in the walls and all kinds of critters. And the barn roof was coming off, and it just was doing things one little thing at a time. That's all yeah. we could do. And you know how, Helena, we say people uh, find a podcast and they come for the content, but they stay for the hosts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of that way, too, with barns. Uh, you know, we didn't have the best barn, but we had a lot of people there. And, it, you know, the, it was actually kind of crappy. Uh, but they stayed because they liked Jennifer. You know, that's why they stayed and they put up with the other stuff and they knew we were trying our best. So they kind of tolerated, you know, and that won't happen with high level riders. That's with your mm-hmm. lower level, you know, people are starting out or just have backyard horses or whatever. Um, that's not going to happen with Grand Prix level riders. Uh, but they're not going to be at your barn anyway, probably. So, but it's culture. It's about, I mean, it's whether you work in a company or a, you know, corporate office or you work in a barn. What is the culture? What do people feel when? they walk into your barn customer service and there are a lot of barn owners and managers and trainers who know a lot about horses but they know very little about customer service and hospitality mm-hmm. so well and i preach this all day long people will reach down very deep into their pockets for a company or for a farm owner that makes them feel good you're not blowing smoke up their ass but you're welcoming them you're being hospitable. So the culture that you create, um, you know, even if you only attract five or six clients, those five or six clients are going to be loyal. They're going to spend every last penny they have with you, and then they're going to tell their friends. So, uh, you know, that alone, customer service is free. It doesn't cost you anything. Be nice. And good care. I mean, somebody just posted, yeah. I sacrifice. Sacri- Fice a lot for good care. That's right. I mean, you may not have the fanciest stalls, but if your horses are well taken care of, you can go to the fanciest barns and your horses are going to be, there'll be no water and there's going to be, you know, it'll be mm-hmm. terrible. That drives me yeah. crazy to go yeah. at lunch or to stop in to a boarding barn and see my horses' t- water buckets in their paddock empty. Uh-uh. It's yeah. just not necessary. What's not happening that there's an empty water bucket? But you're right, Helena. How many times have we said over the years that you walk in a barn, every barn has a feel? 
You know it instantly. If you're a horse person, been around any period of time, when you walk in a barn, it has a feel, and you either get a good feeling or you get a not so good feeling. And it it it's so funny because there doesn't have to be people talking, people doing anything. You just walk in, and it has a feel. Yep. It's very it's very weird that way. It does though. You can and break it down. In, like we, yeah. I could overanalyze. I can be like, okay, these horses. Like one of the things that I that you sense and your intuition, trust your intuition. I, I we're going off on a tangent a little yeah. bit. This is what we do. Trust your intuition. It's when, our show. I can do whatever when, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. When did we mention porn stars? Yeah. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> That's next month's show. <laughs> we got to get one on the show next month. Perfect. Yeah. This is stormy over here. I'm going to find out where what Twitter. Or well, if she's an inventor, she should be like a fan anyway. I know. But horses who, when you go into a barn, horses who don't look up and investigate or are curious about you, new visitors or whatever, that says something, you know? Um, or a horse who's facing the back of a stall. And isn't interested in seeing what's going on out in the world. You you kind of once you get familiar with horse behavior, you get a better feel for whether or not the horses in the barn like their job. Or is it two o'clock in the afternoon and the barn is full of horses? Why is everybody in? It's a beautiful day. What's going on? You know, why are these horses locked in their stalls? So you do get a, a vibe. Um, you know when there's not good care, just trust your instincts. Yep. Uh, this next one, <laughs> uh, I'll read it, Helena, so you don't have to pull it up. Okay. Uh, we have a front office supervisor for whom I have little respect. I am in direct patient care, so she really should not affect me. However, this person keeps tabs on people and got a good tech who made some bad choices fired. She tracked when this person would slip while not on a break and go out and cough, blah, blah, blah. Basically what it's saying is this supervisor just will hound the hell out of people. Mm. And as she said, our department head seems to think that this person walks on water. That's always the case. Your direct supervisor, the one above, thinks that person walks on water, even though your supervisor is just a dick. Um, uh, to say our apartment absolutely would not function without... Uh, she just goes on to say, this person is just one of those, and we all have had one of those people. Haven't we, Helena? Not to mention <laughs> names. <laughs> yep. I had a couple of them. I had a steady stream of them. That's why I work for myself now. And they're usually people that have huge insecurity. Mm. And usually people who don't really know how to do their job, so what they do know how to do is degrade. Right. And make somebody else look worse than them because office they're not very good at their job. Office environments are like dysfunctional families. You they people bring their shit mm -hmm. to the table and they don't care. And they can because everybody needs their job. And they get this much power. Right. Power corrupts. That's so true in the office. Nikki, you probably have a ton of things to say about this. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I, so I'm a director at my facility. So I'm one of those managers, not that manager, but a manager. And it's hard because it's not really, I don't like to look at it as manage, management. I like to look at it as leadership. Like, you know, I'm, we're dealing with human lives every day. And it sounds like if they're in the hospital, they are too. And you need to be with your employees and with your coworkers and, you know, really be able to relate to them. But also, I mean, I've had employees to take advantage. And then the other flip side is, is, you know, there's, 
um, job. There's a job that needs to be done and there's a quota that needs to be met and there's people's lives at stake. And sometimes, you know, it's, you may see the one side of the coin of like, why are you picking on this tech or this counselor or somebody like that? But on the flip side, they're not doing their job or they're doing things that are inappropriate. But I've seen a lot, I've had a lot of bad managers too. I've had a lot of people who, um, again, had that power trip to just boss to boss. And, you know, sometimes you just have to move on a different place if they're, if, another manager or company doesn't see that this is not the way to um, run an agency or company and to really see like that the damage they're doing. Hmm. I always worked in the sales environment. Helena will test this too. I always worked in the sales environment and a good salesperson, I'm not a good manager. And a good salesperson is not a good manager. I'm a good salesperson, not a good manager. But a lot of times in the sales environment, it's the, some, it's the good salespeople that get promoted to manager. Yes. And they're not good managers. They're good salespeople. And I think they're, and in many cases, you know, broad brush here, but in many cases, they're, they're two different people. And, you know, it, sometimes, you know, it's like the coach. So, you know, the, a good coach doesn't necessarily mean they were the best player ever, right? They just are good coaches. And I think that's true in sales and any, any position you can put out there, nurses, doctors, whatever, you know, uh, you're not necessarily, if you could be a great surgeon, but you're not going to be in the head of a surgical department, you know, that's right. not your calling. And it, it, and it should, it shouldn't have to be right. So you're saying that some people are just in the wrong positions and that creates conflict or, right there. Yeah. Or it was either that or they were leaving. So we've got to give them something right. and instead of paying them more for the job they're currently doing, which is what you probably should do because they're really good at that job. They promote them to something they shouldn't be doing. And then they're there for freaking forever for some reason, <laughs> uh, tormenting everybody. Yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot of oversight when you get into the, supervisory, the managerial, the directorial levels, you, 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 it's, I mean, I don't know about you, Nikki, but um, you don't want to micromanage your direct reports. They should be able to do their job. Um, Absolutely. You, you're, you're reporting upwards, of course, but it's more collaborative. It's more of a team effort, you know, um, versus yeah. authority. But the, um, there's competitiveness you know, there are people who, when strengths and weaknesses come up against one another, um, not everybody does the right thing or makes a good decision about how to manage that conflict. And some of us, we get really immature or we let the, our emotions get the better of us. And so we do petty things or we don't handle things in a great way. Well, that's okay at the entry level. That's okay at the mid level. But once you get into management, you should have worked that kind of stuff out already. And so you just end up propagating these this this bad juju, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's about leadership. Um, I found, I mean, when when I stopped doing stable scoop, I had to stop it because I took a full time job, a corporate job. I was so shocked at how um, dysfunctional the, the team was that I worked with. It was ridiculous i'm like i this is a real thing like these yeah like they, i would write pages and pages of copy and the woman sitting in the cube next to me would take credit for it mm -hmm. I'm like, how does that and yet and her boss thought she was the best thing since sliced bread mm -hmm. at some point I you have to say yeah. right at some point you have to mm -hmm. say this this dynamic is never going to change I'm the exception to the rule. 
I got to find a different culture, a different place where I can fit in. But you know, that does, it happens. Although at the real corporate levels, when you get, you know, into much bigger companies or in healthcare where there's oversight and there's accountability, you find that kind of dysfunction is fewer and further between because there's a reporting structure and there's accountability. You can't do that shit. So sometimes, because now with a lot of these healthcare, there's a lot more corporate involvement. So the last place I was, um, became very corporate and the micromanagement of everybody and everything and every nuance. And you hire these great people with all these great credentials and do really well, but then don't let them do their job. So that's the thing I, I can't stand. I'm not here to babysit you. I'm not here to micromanage. You're here to, to, to learn and work and be the clinicians and be, you know, to help people. And a lot of times it's really including them in that conversation. And I think sometimes people just don't know how to manage. They just micromanage, right? Like they know how to nitpick and pick on people and be mean and be a mean girl or mean boy, whatever, you know, um, but don't really know how to to really teach or how to really guide. And I see it a lot. And it's been getting worse, I think, in the healthcare um, facilities where a lot of these big money people are coming in and privatizing, which sounds good in some aspects and some aspects it is, but some of it is being very corporatized. Hmm. Big surprise. I couldn't keep my mouth shut and did not do very well in the corporate environment. <laughs> so I finally had to say, fuck that and start this. <laughs> it's like, I need to work Good for call. myself. <laughs> Alina I knows I did not do well. I could not keep my mouth shut. I couldn't either. <laughs> I had a friend once when I started out in sales in, in databases, the kid sitting next to me in the cube next to me, he was just, he would knock it out of the park in terms of hitting his quota every month. And he'd say, and he didn't care who he pissed off. He'd say, Hey, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. Mm. And I was like, I need to do that. I need to think that way. I'm so worried about like pissing people off. You know, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't keep my mouth shut. So I was like, I'm not here to make friends. And they were like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Felicia. <laughs> I never got fired. <laughs> it is true, though. It's so tough. I mean, it's tough when you're, I couldn't, I could, you know, that's, I'm probably making less now than I made. I'm definitely making less now than I made at certain points in my life. But it just feels like I'm doing something that's better for me and better for a community than I ever did in any of those jobs. You know, I feel like we're 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 affecting change more. We're we're doing something. You know, Absolutely. if it, if it's making people laugh and learn a little bit along the way, whatever that is, I just feel like we're accomplishing more here. You know, just being silly than 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 I ever did in those serious jobs I had. Uh, and I think COVID has really taught us life is short, right? So why are we making money for what? Like, what is that really bringing us happiness? Are we really happy in the position we're at? I know that people can't just change jobs and live this magical, happy life all the time, but really assess like what's going to bring us happy happiness because at the end of the day, you know, on our tombstones or on our whatever is not going to say, well, I made that great, all that money, or, you know, I had this corporate job or, you know, what's really going to be in a here and now that's going to be fulfilling. And you'll last, you'll last longer. You're, you'll be happier. And it's, it's about that. It's about having a sense of purpose. It's about feeling gratified in what you do every single day. I say, if you're going to spend eight, 10, 12 hours a day doing something, let it be something that you love to do. And it creates a ripple effect. Like mm -hmm. Glenn, horse radio is a big, uh, it's a big boulder in an even bigger pond and you're creating these ripples. Right. Um, and that money can't buy that. 
You can make all the money in the world and all you'll do is spend it chasing that feeling you get doing something you love. And, and sometimes it's, it takes a leap of faith. Like my husband says, you, you have to have faith to walk through the door. You know, we say when, when one door closes, another one opens, but nobody ever actually sees the, the doors that open. We only see the ones that close behind us after they're closed. So you do have to, you have to take a leap of faith and expect that, um, that gesture on your part is going to invite something better in. You have to have faith that when you let go of the energy, the bad energy that's tied up in this thing that you're doing and this job that you're working and these people that you subject yourself day in and day out to, that you're going to free up a lot of energy and something better is going to come in in its place. You're I know pretty, it because I've lived it. You're pretty smart. You should do a podcast. No, <laughs> takes too much time. You don't make any money. <laughs> You should be a therapist. You're good at it. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm going, damn, she's impressive. I know, right? How many certificates do you have on the wall there? Honey? I have. <laughs> I have bruises. I have scars. <laughs> I have no friends. <laughs> and she's Italian. That says it all right there. Uh, I don't. Dan I actually don't have a lot of friends because I will not compromise uh, some very important principles. I had a friend the other day. Um, I found out that she said something really unkind behind my back. And she said it to someone she didn't think I would run into. It was a woman who sells saddles. And I ran into this woman. And she repeated what this friend of mine said. And boy, did it sting. Boy, did it sting. And I didn't know what to do with this information. Should I confront this friend of mine? Should I let it go? Should I just bail on the relationship? cut her off, ghost her, do all those things. And I said, no, because it'll make, I need to say something to her because it'll make me feel better to get it off my chest. And at the same time, it'll give her the opportunity to own it. Well, first I wanted to say, is it, is it true? Did you really say this about me? And then if so, I don't care why you said it, you have your reasons. Um, but you need to know that it hurt me. And I consider you my friend and friends are very, very, very important to me. So I sent her a message and I said, listen, I heard that you said some unkind things about me to a mutual acquaintance and you know, I'd be happy to talk about it if you want to. And she called hmm. and she owned it. You know, at first she tried to backpedal and say, well, blah, blah, I didn't. And then she said, yeah, you know, I probably did say that. That sounds like something I would do. I would say. And I'm sorry. I said, no problem. Let's move right along. You, but, but because I have that standard, I don't, I don't want to live in a fake world. And I don't think any of our listeners or you guys want to have false relationships. And who has I've, time for that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't kiss my ass. I won't mm -hmm. kiss yours. Don't blow smoke. Don't tell me something that's not true. Don't fake laugh to my face because I hate that. Um, <laughs> she really does hate that, by the way. I really hate that. <laughs> Just be real. Own your part. If you do something, own your part. But you also mm. have to be willing to forgive other people when they fuck up. Because mm. we all fuck up. Some more than others. All the time. Hey, Jennifer, remind me to stop talking behind Helena's back. Apparently she knows about it. <laughs> 
I think what okay. Lena said, Glenn, stop fucking up. That's, yeah, what, I that's what I heard. Yeah, that's, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. I love this one. Uh, I saved it for last for a reason. It says, <laughs> Dear Glenn Helnick. They've combined our names to Glenn Helnick. I love that. <laughs> I have a serious problem. I like to listen to an infamous podcasting network that puts out many horse-related programs a week. In fact... They say that the guy who runs it is like the king of podcasting or the entire universe or something. There's about 40 hours of programming I'd like to listen to every week, but I can't do it at work and I can't do it around my husband because we have to we have to be able to, you know, like have a conversation or whatever. That leaves listening for when I'm doing barn chores or other things, and I don't do those 40 hours a week. I'd be totally exhausted and never be able to have fun with my horses. However, I belong to the super secret auditors group for the podcasting group, and I'm always behind on the conversations and live in internal fear of missing out. What can I do? <laughs> Bewildered in Wilton. <laughs> First world equestrian problem right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had that recently when I had to work from home for a while with COVID. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a podcast junkie. So like, it's not just, I love Horse Radio Network, but I listen to crime podcasts and I listen to history podcasts. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting behind. And it does. When you look at your auditor feed, you're like, what just happened? And you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm get in the car. and it is hard. And you have to sometimes pick and choose, like, you know, and it's really hard to do. Um it was interesting. I don't know, Helene, if you watched all the survey questions I did last week, but I'll send you the results when I put them together. It was very interesting to see the survey results last week. But what one survey? Of the things I, I did them every day, and you're going to be interested to see the results. Okay. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I noticed, too, is when I get behind on podcasts, there are certain podcasts I am not going to miss. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find time to listen to. And then there's, those, there's the middle group that I yes. want to listen to but I am not one to go back and catch up. Some people have to listen to them in chronological order. I figure I'm never going to catch up, so I just start where we are. You know, I listen to the most recent one and start yeah. going again. And yeah. then there's that group of podcasts that everybody has on their player that they mean to listen to. They know they like them, but you just never get to it. And for some reason, you cannot delete it off your podcast player. Am I mm-hmm. wrong? Am I the only one who has three categories? Nope. No, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Horses in the Morning and Horse Radio Network and Stolen Stable, they have to be in that first category. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. that's what's, that's <laughs> I cannot <laughs> miss I cannot miss Mary and Jen. Oh, I, yeah. I, They're good I, together. I, and, you know, Charlotte um, wrote in with a question that was exactly my life. This In fact, I called you guys, Glenn. Yes, um, yeah. You know, I hadn't Yesterday. listened to the, to the part where Jennifer talked about my little training tip on the show like she mentioned me and i i hadn't even gotten to that part when i called you guys i didn't know but um i it's i can't live without these these training tips it's it's amazing but i have a question for you guys what what podcast do you listen to that people would be surprised to hear like (laughs) like what weird (laughs) podcast what's out there I mean, I'm pretty open. I mean, I was listening to my dad wrote a porno because Jamie recommended it. I listened to, I mean, the crime stuff really disturbs my husband, which is amazing because I'll play it all the time. And he's like, <laughs> there's something really wrong with you. I fall asleep to crime podcasts and crime shows on YouTube. And he's like, 
I'm scared. I'm scared at night. Yeah, that, I don't do it. I don't. I can't do it either. <laughs> I do. I get right to sleep. He's like, you, there's something wrong with you. I'm like, you married me. So there, let's talk about what's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, hit him is my first one. I, I actually, and I love Jamie because Jamie, I feel like is my spirit animal uh, on the other side of the planet. And uh, so I have to listen to her, but like there's, I don't know if there's one's history. I think there's a lot more history, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, nobody's really surprised about what I do. So. Do you have one, Helena? I'm looking at my list, and I think the one I've talked about some of these. So I don't know that they're going to surprise everybody. Mm-hmm. The one that uh, that I listened to one called the Food 360. It's with Mark Murphy, who's a Food Network guy. Oh, but he talks to other professionals, chefs, and owners of restaurants, and they talk about the business of restaurants, not what to cook. You know, mm-hmm. they talk about food and they talk about you know how the farm to table and all that stuff. But they also talk about the business, and it's been very interesting during COVID because he's been talking to people who are, you know, having a tough time. So I find that one just fascinating because it's my first job, though. I was a cook for a couple of years. So that was my first job. So I think I still have a little bit of that in there. Uh, Really? I had no idea. Yeah, I was short order cook. I was dishwasher for two years and then short order cook at Zinn's Diner for two years. Uh, we, I worked the 11 at night to seven in the morning shift. Oh God. So, and Diner was one of those places where all the drunks came all night long. <laughs> so there was a line out the door all night. For we were in standing room only all night. So we would be cooking. There were times I would have 50 overlight eggs on the grill at one time. Oh my by the time God. you got done cracking with both hands, you were flipping. And by the time you got done flipping, you were putting them on plates. Now, can mean, you crack with one hand? Yep. Yeah, you would do two at a time. And you, you, oh, could get, nice. you could get 10 or 12 on in no time at all. Uh, we had one eight-foot grill that was just for pancakes. I'm and hungry. that's all it was, was pancakes. I'm hungry now. <laughs> so, yeah, so I learned how to shorter cook at, like, the busiest restaurant in the county. And, you know, you learn to cook at fast. You know, you learn to get it done. Uh, but, yeah, so I still have that thing about restaurants. And I still love restaurants. And I miss restaurants, by the way. Me too. We have not eaten in yet. I'm and it's hard to eat friend. outside when it's 100 degrees out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys need to come to Little Compton. It like barely gets over 82. It's, you know, it, it's breezy. Magical. It is so magical. <laughs> it's literally 10 degrees cooler than even the next town north of us, which is only oh my God. like four miles from my house. But, and we we have this game that we play when we, we we're driving back into Little Compton. When we get over the town line, we say, okay, it's like 77 degrees or it's 87 degrees. What do we think the temperature is going to be when we pull into our driveway? And so whoever gets closest to the actual temperature wins. But it's always, I guaranteed, 5, 7, 10 degrees cooler here. It's really quite pleasant. Um, but wait, we were talking about something else. What was I going to say about podcasts? What podcasts? Yeah, what's your unusual one, Helena? You oh, 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 oh. I listened to something called Rune Soup. What's Rune that? soup. Do you know what it's about? Not soup, I assume. Witches. Witches. Oh, really? Real nice. witch people who talk about real witch things. Like, I'm going to put that down because I love the hidden brain that you recommended last time. Right? Which, yeah. oh, hidden brain I can't do without. But Rune Soup is really interesting. It's by this Australian guy. Um, and he's just got this great voice and he has all these different guests on. And they talk about everything from philosophy to actual, like, spells and incantations and concoctions. I'm like, who? where's my eye of newt? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that sounds like something I would totally love. It's really kind of, kind of cool. Sometimes it gets a little out there, but you know, 
everybody gets a little out there. So that's my my weird podcast. There you go. I got to recommend an episode. To, if you don't listen to podcasts, I don't listen to his podcast. I don't like the big name, the Mark Marins mm. and those guys. I just, I don't, I don't do them. But there was one episode of the Tim Ferriss show, who's very popular. It's probably in the top 20 podcasts. And it was Hugh Jackman. It's episode 444. So if you go, it was the best. He's a cool guy. It was, he, he is an unbelievably yeah. cool guy. Just a really cool guy. But yeah. this was one of the best interviews I've ever heard on a podcast, ever. Tim okay. had it. He is a very good interviewer. I was impressed with that because the first one I listened to of his, and I've met him at shows. Tim Ferriss? Um, yeah, Tim Ferriss. It's Tim Ferriss Show, and it's Hugh Jackman, 444. I I have never been so impressed with a celebrity as I was Hugh, Hugh Jackman. He is so thoughtful such a family man, just such a, it just comes across as just a really good guy uh, and who understands his craft and life. You know, he does yoga every day. Hey, thanks to that interview, I said, I got to start doing yoga. I feel like good. I'm, I'm not You're flexible. Kidding. I'm not. Yes. Wait You're a minute. Kidding. Wait a minute, Lena. Hold on. Um, <laughs> I'm not flexible. Yeah. I'm a lump. I can barely bend over. So I got to start doing this. So I looked up the beginner yoga, you know, on YouTube. And I've been doing it now for almost two weeks, and I can barely fucking move my body. <laughs> Why does yoga look so with... damn easy? It's and not so it kills you your going. body. Oh, my I... God. Did you start with like a sun salutation? Something easy? Yeah, yeah. It's like beginner yoga for, for 20 minutes, and I can't even do all of that. Um, and then she tells you, you know, just, and she's very, it's made for beginners. This is very beginner and it's made for <laughs> beginner old people like me. Right. So, uh, uh however, I, you know, I can't say I'm to the point where I'm relaxed when I'm doing it yet. <laughs> I cannot get there yet, but I'll tell you what, I, I think in just that shorter period of time, I'm more flexible. Now I can only do it every other day because I would be I wouldn't be able to move if I was doing it every day yet. So I'm starting slow. I'm not trying to burn out on yoga. Um, yeah, it's supposed to make you feel good. It's supposed to be like yeah. a self massage. Yeah, no, it will after do I wonders. get over the pain after a while, I might <laughs> feel good. Part, right? <laughs> yeah, this is, I forgot this part. Dude, you I will forget about the pain <laughs> when. <this> part. You... <laughs> <laughs> they have chair yoga and they have Ow. restorative yoga where you can just lay down and roll around. It's like. <laughs> I can't. I have a yoga yeah. mat. I have a yoga mat. So I'm official, I think. I we got to get I'm you official. ready. We have a like Stormy Daniels on. You got to get fit. You got to get. <laughs> we can do Stormy fun. Daniels yoga on the next episode. Oh there is a strip for <laughs> yoga. I know there's strip tees aerobics for sure because I've done it. But <laughs> sure I, I, I don't know what to do with this. I will say, Glenn, though, that if you stick with the yoga, it will do wonders for your sex life. Yeah. Oh, I didn't it, know that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right, it right now, I'm too sore to do anything about it. <laughs> it increases your circulation, improves your flexibility, mm -hmm. stamina. Just saying. I mean, look at Sting. I mean, isn't Sting the one that does like that tantric yoga or whatever it is, and they go for yeah. hours or something? He's yeah. off the yard chart. He does all sorts of. Weird I'm still stuff. at 15 minutes on my yoga. I'm <laughs> but we should do. They should do somebody. We must have a yoga instructor somewhere in this group of 400. Right? There has to be. So yeah. you, I don't know why somebody hasn't started yoga doing this like every day in the auditor room. Where's the, the dressage girl or the girl that did yoga on horses? I mean, where's yeah. she at? <laughs> yeah. 
So Tiana She's says, I just started rats. yoga again since my studio opened. I can tell you this, Tiana, I don't care how good I get at yoga. I am never going to a studio with other people. That will never happen. Why? I do hot, I do hot yoga where it's like 90 some degrees and we do oh. a lot of cheese yoga because I get dragged into it and I'm like, fine, let's do it. But it really does help. It really makes you flexible, really helps like everything about you. But there's restorative yoga, which is good too. Like literally you lay on the floor and like, wrap yourself in a little blankie and it's good. I do Hatha, that every night. Hatha yoga, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does. It's, I won't, I, I love it. I, I don't do it every day. I don't practice it all the time, mm-hmm. but I have a mat. Grace has a mat. And when I do take 10, 15 minutes to do my yoga in the morning, I'm a different person. My day goes better. Now, we both better. have severe ADD, Helene and I, <laughs> as everybody probably knows. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a, a joke. We really do. <laughs> it's not a secret. It's, yeah. That's the hard part is I find I have to do it first thing in the morning. If I, I tried to do it in the middle of the day, I couldn't. I, my mind just didn't. Do it in the morning, Glenn. Yeah, Definitely. I had to do, do it in the morning. And keep it just to 10 minutes. And um, I don't know about you, but I have to fight. Like, I do the sun salutations because I have to have a linear process like i gotta stand up i gotta do the downward dog i gotta do the uh so if i have a little routine to follow then it becomes like a game i i start competing with myself how many sons that's the thing elena's just look at danielle said we had our friend teach a yoga class for us saturday after our 12 mile run it hurt so good yeah that ain't happening Oh, and someone else said Tai Chi. Tai Chi works better yeah. for me. Tai Chi, that's slow and controlled. I couldn't. I that's like no, that's too slow. Like you can yeah. roll around like a baby, and uh-huh. you know, Tai Chi's that's good too. I just doesn't move. Fast. I wish I had either. done. I wish I had done some form of martial arts. I really do. I wish I had done that. You can still do it. You still can. I, I mean, took up Taekwondo up. at 37. Yeah, yeah, not now. Me too. I did Taekwondo as well. I love Would it, right? Would you go take I love one, it. Taekwondo in Florida right now? Oh, my God. It's air conditioning. Yeah. Oh. Wait, yeah. you could do it six feet apart. Yeah, yeah. I think everything's going to be closing in Florida pretty soon. <laughs> oh, you can't do it outside. I'm sure right. you can do Zoom classes. A lot of times you know people are doing Zoom classes now on martial arts, and they're doing, like, the belts and everything on Zoom. They just Zoom oh, yeah? classes. Yeah, That's not a bad idea. I mean, it's just forms and stuff. So you, there's a lot of stuff that you could do on your own when you're first learning. I think I'll stick to you could be our Mr. Miyagi yoga. Yeah, yeah. My instructors, <laughs> I went, so I'm, they would make me fight the guys, like the big guys. Uh-huh. They, I, they're like, you, you go to spar. I'm like, no, I'm five two. They're six foot three. They're like, he's like, here, take this big bamboo stick. It's like, okay. Oh, I loved it. I was like. Let's go. And I get my ass kicked and it'd be good times. And then one time I'm at my house and my brother like just comes out of the room and scares me. And I screamed and I dropped down. And uh, my dad, again, is like, I paid hundreds of dollars for you to take take one no lessons. And this is what you do. I was like, I self dropped and rolled because that's all I could think about at that time. It's a keto, dad. It's a keto. <laughs> it's a keto. I'm just going to roll myself out. Of yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie does kickboxing and loves it. She loves kickboxing. She thinks that's great fun and takes you. You could take your energies out, you know. Uh, Jemmy did kickboxing for years too. She loved it. Uh, it's yeah. fun. I like the taekwondo because it's. Um, I don't know. It's a little more ass kicking. Like like mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's personal safety too, but it's I because I'm low to the ground and I'm way more coordinated with my legs. Taekwondo is better because it's mostly about kicking. Um. 
I guess kickboxing. I don't know. Yeah, boxing, too, you got to hit people with your hands. We're kind of short for judo. I did, yeah. tried that yeah. throwing thing. But yeah, yeah, kickboxing was fun. The guys were really hot. So I was totally into kickboxing <laughs> for a while. I'm like, 80 bucks, I'm sure. Whatever. <laughs> so keep bringing them on. Bring them on. Sorry. Maybe that's why oh, Jamie whatever. really does it. Do we know Probably. if that's why she really does it? <laughs> I mean, they're pretty good looking. So I'm like, I'll just punch them. <laughs> Now, Tiana says she I got her black belt. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah, so Can you show me? Show me how. <laughs> I had this one guy who just screamed. like He looked like Colin Farrell. And he was so mean, but he was so hot because he was so mean. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting really anything out of this class, nor can I defend myself after this. But you're so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Tiana says she got her black belt in Taekwondo. Yeah, so she can defend us. Yeah, awesome. Like, Let's invite her to the next party. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's call it a night. Thanks All everybody right. for joining us on this little uh, WTF party. We, we didn't swear enough here. tonight. We'll have to swear I, more. I swore. Time. I swore tonight. You guys weren't keeping up. I know. Glenn gets excited. He's like, oh, I can say fuck." <laughs> there we go. She just got an extra one. I yeah, have, there we go. Uh, I've hosted six thousand episodes where I don't get to swear at all. So it's like, oh, <laughs> finally. Well, thank Helena you and I would swear time. would swear some before and after the show. I know that was before Apple caught on. They were like, "We're going to shut you down if you well, swear." We would swear before and after the show. Before we got started, there'd be some swearing, especially during divorce years. There was a lot of swearing. Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! I think for a long time, uh, Helena's favorite swear words were "fucking asshole." Oh, I think that was... my favorite word is mother, motherfucker. I call my husband motherfucker. It's a term of endearment. It's like my favorite word. Yeah. Now my favorite is fuck you, asshole. <laughs> it's much better. It's more fulfilling and satisfying yeah. because they're direct. Yeah. You, I'm going to put my fingers down. That's a bad thing, though, you know. Yeah, Those gestures, the sit of my hands. Well, that's your Italian thing out there. Yeah, you have to do the whole, yeah. like, you know... <laughs> Bye, everybody. We'll, we Bye. will put this out, by the way, on uh, on the feed. So if you missed it here, you can hear it in audio or go back and watch the video. One or the other. Thanks, Good night. Guys. Stay that safe. Wear your mask. <laughs>